0: you have a faithful God who is always with you. Amen. Praise you, Heavenly Father. Tried so hard to see it, took me so long to believe it that you choose someone like me to carry your victory, perfection could never earn it. You give what we don't deserve. Take the broken things and raise them to glory. Cause you are my champion. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. Everybody. this morning, praise you, Heavenly Father, that name above all names, that we are joined with you seated in heavenly places, Father, that Jesus, you gave us the authority to be your hands and feet with the great commission to go. So, God, we thank you for the abilities and the talents that you've gathered together, Jesus with one command, how could we not go? That our hearts would be turned towards you Heavenly Father. That we would go about this earth declaring the name of Jesus and that you would perform your word with signs following. Praise you Heavenly Father. When I lift My voice and shout Every wall comes crashing down I have the authority That Jesus has given me When I open up my mouth Miracles start breaking down I have the authority Jesus has given me. When I lift my voice and shout, every wall comes crashing down. I have the authority. Jesus has given me. When I open up my mouth, miracles start breaking out. I have the authority. Jesus has given me. Cause you are my champion and Giants fall when you stand undefeated Every battle you won I am who you say I am You crown me with confidence I am seated in the heavenly Place undefeated by the power of your name i'm seated in the heavenly place undefeated with the one who has conquered it all praise you heavenly father you are worthy god praise
1: jesus we worship you lord we bless your holy name we lift up the name of jesus hallelujah we love you lord we worship you magnify and glorify your name bless the lord hallelujah we magnify you we glorify you Wonderful Jesus, wonderful
0: Lord,
1: hallelujah, glory and honor, glory and honor unto you. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Lord, we lift you up. We magnify your name. There is none like you. You are a miracle working God. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, and we expect the impossible. We inspect the impossible in our lives. We expect the impossible in the lives of our families. We speak it, hallelujah. We expect it. We speak it for you're a miracle working God, hallelujah. And we thank you for it. We thank you for it. We thank you that you're at work. We thank you that you're on the move hallelujah 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 glory to God glory to God hallelujah bless the Lord thank you Jesus we serve a great God he works miracles They may sometimes don't look like big miracles. Maybe they seem small, but it's the supernatural. God is a supernatural God, hallelujah. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God that He's working in our lives. Thank God He's working in the lives of our families, in our church, in our nation, in our state, hallelujah. We speak it, we thank Him for it. What a good God you are. What a good Father. I was thinking as we were worshiping on one of those songs that came to me, you know, when Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, God could have just said, wipe you out. I mean, really, he could do whatever he wanted. He could go, sin? Can't look on sin? Psst. You know? He could have done that. But God, who is rich in mercy toward mankind, decided that rather than these these humans that he loved, who he loved them, but they rejected him for they rejected what he said and they rejected his word, but he loved them and he had such compassion and love and mercy for them. He came up with a plan to give his only son to die and to suffer the penalty of our sin, of mankind's sin, and to bear it on him so that we could be reconciled to God. How great the love of God. He didn't have to choose to do that for men. We would have never been born. We would have never existed. But now, we not only exist, but more importantly, we're gonna, because of Jesus and those that have Jesus in their heart, eternity with God in heaven. We can't even imagine what it's all gonna be, but Look how beautiful the earth is, and heaven's going to be better. Everything good on the earth that you like, that you think, wow, that is really cool. How neat. God made it. God made joy. He came up with the idea of joy. He's peace. I mean, that's who he is. And so it's going to be amplified in heaven. He could have wiped us out. He could have said sin, can't look on it, so. But he didn't. And we were born to live our life on this earth for the kingdom of God. Let's not do it haphazard. Let's not do it halfway. But let's 100% every day to glorify Him and live for Jesus, fulfill the plan that God has for each of our lives. Let's make it count for eternity, amen? Let's take a lot of people with us. Hallelujah, amen. Well, there's sweet presence of God in this place today. Thank God. Then go ahead and pan the uh, congregation. Let's all wave at everyone watching from home. Glad that you're participating in the service. Give love to several people before you're seated. Greet them today, and after you've done that, you can be seated. Children are dismissed to their class. Miss Karen is in the back. So, first through fifth graders are dismissed to their class. Praise the Lord. Well, In our family, birthdays last for a long time. So we'll say happy day before your birthday, happy two days after your birthday. So happy week after Mother's Day to our moms. And, and I only say that this year because if you were not here last Sunday or you didn't get a gift, you should have gotten it as you entered the, uh, the sanctuary today. And if you didn't, please go by and get a Mother's Day gift today. We had a little mix-up last week, so we did a do-over today. Praise the Lord. And for those of you who are watching from home, uh, as we said last week, if you're not able to be here, then please just contact our church office or email us or just However, um, we will send you a Mother's Day gift, and um, we want you to have one as well to all those moms. Praise the Lord. If you're uh, visiting with us today for the first time, if you wouldn't mind just lifting up your hand so we can give you a a welcome and uh, let you know that we're glad you're here. No? Jackie Brooks, I almost thought you were raising your hand. She was doing this one to her hair. (laughs) then I saw it was her. Praise the Lord. Well, it's all, it's good to be here today. Amen. Um, I want to give you a quick testimony of, um, okay, there was a, um, I'm not sure how long ago this was. Hold on, everybody. I screenshotted it. Um, Hold on. Sorry. Does it have the date? No, it doesn't have the date, but there was, uh, in recent times, there was a um, shooting, I don't know if you remember it, in Madison, Wisconsin, two people were killed, and um, it was three weeks ago. I was just texted. It was, <laughs> it was three weeks ago, and you can look it up online, shooting in Madison, Wisconsin, and someone from our church uh, has been a longtime friend of somebody who was there and had A tremendous testimony of God's divine protection. Um, So the shooter, uh, the man um, who was there, uh, the shooter came in to where they were. It was, I believe, in a casino, and the shooter. And this man is in food service. And the shooter came in, and the man standing right next to the gentleman shot the other person right, right next to him. He he was killed. And the shooter never looked at this gentleman. He's a believer. Never even looked at him. And then he passed him, and he went and he started shooting other people. I read an account from one eyewitness that was there that said they, they were sure that they heard 20 or 30 um, rounds fired, so the man started shooting into the, um, to the other people, and then he went out, and this particular man started shouting, um, you know, call 911, um, and was giving instructions to people because he's kind of an in-charge type of person there. Uh, and so then the shooter came back in, and when he came back in, he passed this man right up, and then he shot some other people. Two people were killed and shot some other people. Never even looked at him. Never, you know never saw that he was there, and the one man who was standing right directly next to him was killed. So, you know, um, you can read about that um, line and see that story, but thank God for his divine protection for his people today. Amen? Praise the Lord. Just thought that that would be a blessing to you. Um, We want to let you know that today we had it on our heart. Uh, We haven't done it in a number of weeks, but we're going to have prayer immediately after the service today. Um, We won't be praying long, maybe about 15 minutes. We won't keep you long. They will uh, hold your children wherever they are in their classes. But we just uh, woke up in the night last night and felt an urgency to pray. And so we're going to obey the Holy Spirit and spend a little bit of time praying together as a church. Um, paint and Pastry Ladies, um, today is the last week to sign up for that is coming up this next Saturday, May 22nd. And so be sure and reserve your spot. It's out in the lobby. There's a table out there today. It's going to be a great time together. Also, we're going to be having a night of worship on Sunday night, May the 30th. The next day is a um, Memorial Day, so, you know, we can worship all night long. Praise the Lord. You don't have to get up and go anywhere the next day. So uh, come and join us. It'll be the first time we've gotten together on a Sunday night in quite a long while. We're going to have wonderful time worshiping the Lord together. Um, then just the last thing is as a reminder, we are, have been um, doing a special offering the entire month of May for um, some um, older ministers that we are acquainted with who are retired. Um, they Uh, in fact, I was going to read you a few of the things, but it's okay. I don't, I forgot to get it, but um, read over just some of the things about them. Um, They're either widowed or um, they're elderly. They've been missionaries overseas. They're in their 80s. A lot of things going on in their life. And so we want to be a blessing. You know, the Bible says that we should bless those who have been faithful in the word of God. And so we're just going to bless them. We're going to write them a letter and just tell them how much we appreciate their faithfulness to God. Thus far, we have received $4,200, praise the Lord, to divide up between these ministers. So we'll keep you keep you abreast of that. Hallelujah. Then just as a reminder as to how to give, I think every Everybody's here are family, so you remember that, so don't need to repeat it. So let's just pray uh, uh, together. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness to us. You are a mighty God, and we call you Father. Thank you, Lord, we declare over our church family the peace of God, the protection of God, and the provision of God. Hallelujah. Thank you for your glory revealed in us as individuals and through us, as well as through our church family. We give our tithes and offerings unto you, Lord, as an act of obedience and worship. And we thank you that the windows of heaven blessings poured out unto us, that there's not room enough to receive, Lord. You are good. Your mercy endures forever. And we give you praise and worship you with our substance. Worship you as we tithe and give offerings. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Family, would you stand and worship with us again this morning? our way when it seems there is no
2: We bless you. We magnify your holy name. We exalt you, Jesus, as the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. We thank you, Father, for all that you've done in us and for us. But we thank you that there are even greater things, the greatest things are ahead. Thank you, Father, for opening our eyes to who we are in Christ. Our inter- <coughs> I'm going to start with some of our end time scriptures that we've been looking at in Haggai chapter 2 beginning in verse 6 it says for thus saith the Lord of hosts yet once it is a little while and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land and I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come now this desire of all nations is the earth looking forward to to the manifest presence of God's sons let me read to you from Romans chapter 8 real quick. I make that statement a lot, but I, I very rarely take you over to the, to the scriptures that prove it. In Romans chapter 8, verse 18, Paul said, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature, that word creature is the word creation, for the earnest expectation of the creation waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature or the creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope, because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Everything God made was made with life. God created soil to produce according to the seed that was placed in it or planted in it. God caused this earth to be the medium whereby it would sustain human life. Everything God made, everything God touches has an element of life to it. The earth is alive. And it's groaning and travailing until the manifestation of the sons of God. It's waiting to be delivered From the curse of sin and death that was upon it. That came upon it because of Adam and Eve's sin. So let's go back to Haggai chapter 2 and finish this passage. We'll start in verse 6 again. For thus saith the Lord of hosts. Yet once it is a little while. And I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come. The manifested presence of the sons of God. And I will fill this house with glory saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Now we also looked at Zechariah chapter 10 and verse 1. Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to every one grass in the field. Hosea chapter 6 identifies what this rain is. Hosea chapter 6 verse 3, Then shall we know, if we follow unto to know the Lord, His going forth is prepared as the morning, and He shall come unto us as the rain, the latter and former rain upon the earth. The previous verse in verse 2 sets the, the time frame for this latter rain. After two days will He revive us, and the third day He will raise us up, and we shall live in His sight. That's speaking of the rapture, it's speaking of the time that God will return for the church. So Zechariah chapter 10 verse 1 asks if the rain in the time of the latter rain is an end time scripture and it tells us what the result will be if we ask for the rain as he instructs us. He'll make bright clouds. The only other place in the Bible this word uh, is used is in the book of Job and it's used twice. And it's translated lightnings in job lightnings well what is lightning a lightning strike is a display a display of God's power in nature it's the most powerful force there is that we know of so where it says he'll make bright clouds it means that he'll make a display or send a display of his power but then also you remember the glory of the Lord shown in the cloud time and time again in the the uh, the eyesight where Israel could see it. The glory of the Lord is referred in many cases as a bright shining cloud, brighter than anything that we can see, anything that nature can produce. Paul must have uh, seen that glory cloud when he was on the road to Damascus. It talks about a light that shined around about him brighter than the noonday sun. And he couldn't see for a period of time for the glory of that light. So we see that bright clouds can be either a manifestation of God's presence or a display of his power. And it produces something. So the Lord shall make bright clouds or lightnings and give them showers of rain to every one grass in the field. It's talking about an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. An outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Now we'll turn you over to James chapter 5 for another scripture talking about the rain. Verse 7, Be patient therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Behold the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and has long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth night. Notice the early and the latter rain is connected again to end times talking about Jesus coming back for the church. The coming of the Lord draweth not. Now, does it seem to you that the Bible is referring to a very specific and unique work of the Holy Ghost? When it comes to the end times, when it comes to the rapture of the church and Jesus coming back for the church, the Bible speaks very specifically in these scriptures and others these scriptures specifically and others generally, of a very specific work of the Holy Spirit. Now why would God save a special work of the Holy Spirit until the end? We wouldn't expect that the Holy Ghost would do anything different. God's always been about bringing people into his family. So whether it's in a time where there's a special move of the Holy Ghost in that direction or not, There's always been the the quickening work, the the drawing work of the Holy Spirit to bring people into the family of God. So why this unique work of the Holy Spirit in connection with the end? What's he trying to get across to us? Well, it results in the precious fruit of the earth being brought in which Zechariah 10.1 talks about grass in the field the only harvest, the only thing that God has ever cared about was people he's never stopped caring about people so what about this special and unique work of the Holy Spirit in the last days is it a work that the Holy Spirit would not have done any other time is it something God's been withholding until the last days and if so for what purpose If the Holy Ghost hadn't been willing to draw people into the kingdom of God, then how can God be a respecter of persons? Or how can he not be a respecter of persons? If he failed to work by his spirit in any way that prevented people from coming into the family of God or being made a part of the kingdom of God, then God would have to be a respecter of persons. He had, would have to care about the people of the last days more than the people in other times. Well, we know that can't be true. God is no respecter of persons. So the work of the Holy Ghost at the end, the unique work, the specific work that the Bible tells us about has to be just a continuation of other things that the Holy Ghost has been doing throughout the uh, history of the church. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Jesus is talking about things related to the end times. His disciples show him the, the uh, beautiful buildings that Herod built, the temple. And Jesus, because it was not the purpose for Herod's temple was more to glorify Herod than to give God glory. Jesus never was impressed with the temple. It was beautiful. It was the most beautiful thing that anybody had ever seen of that day. But Jesus always thumbed his nose at it. Because God's not concerned about how pretty a building is. But rather the purpose for the building. So he said, he told the disciples. That there would not be one stone left upon another in the temple. That came to pass in A.D. 70. Verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for, I, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. A lot of people are going to be deceived in the last days concerning who God is if you don't know who God is then you don't know what God will do if you don't know who God is and the only place we have revealed to us who God is is through the word if you don't know what the word says about who God is then you can be taken in with false doctrine and false activities Jesus said take heed that no man deceive you deception is going to be something that's deeply seated. And far-ranging. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now I've got a question for you, folks. Did the disciples, did Jesus' disciples, know about the temptation of Satan in the 40 days and 40 nights that Jesus spent in the wilderness? Did Matthew, who is one of the twelve, specifically know about these things, specifically about the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness? Did he know about it when Jesus was still here on the earth? Mark and Luke also refer to the temptation in the wilderness, but neither Mark nor Luke were part of Jesus' company. So the question is still outstanding did Matthew know and therefore the others know about Jesus' temptation in the wilderness if not when did he find out John doesn't make mention of it because John's gospel came some 50 plus years after possibly even 60 years later from the time that the other gospels were written It was widely accepted and and in many cases, John didn't rehash things that were settled uh, and accepted from the other gospel writers. He seems to be tying up loose ends for us in different ways and in different areas. But if the disciples knew, and I believe they had to, if the disciples knew about the temptation experience of Jesus in the wilderness... I've, there's no only one way they could have known, and that is by Jesus telling them themselves, himself. So if they knew these things, they knew that Satan worked through world governments. You remember one of the temptations of Jesus was that the devil showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he offered them to Jesus if Jesus would just simply bow down and worship Satan. Now here's a here's a... a created being, Satan, who Jesus had created, who Jesus knew fell from heaven as lightning when he rebelled against God, trying to get Jesus to bow to him, a lesser creature. The temptation was real because Jesus could have chosen to worship him, but I can't imagine it was a real serious or severe temptation Because Jesus knew who the guy really was. Therefore, the disciples would have known that Satan identified his greatest work or area of greatest work in the earth as being through world governments. We know that this is confirmed by other scriptures in the Old Testament. In Ezekiel chapter 28 and Isaiah chapter 14 as well as Daniel chapter 10, when it talks about how there are unseen spiritual forces that are pulling the strings on world leaders and such. Jesus goes on to say, you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that you be not troubled. The wars and the rumors of wars are important for us to consider because Matthew, more so than any of the other Gospels, is Jewish-centric. Everything about Matthew's Gospel comes from the standpoint of the Jews. And what the Jews should understand and glean from the stories and the historical accounts that Matthew provides. So here you've got wars and rumors of wars. Wars would certainly include the things that are going on now against Israel. The attack that began last week by Hamas, the terrorist group Hamas. That would certainly qualify as a war. But then the wars, the rumors of wars has to do with false information concerning conflicts and so forth. Jesus said the purpose for him telling them that, telling about the wars and the rumors of wars, is to see that you be not troubled. In other words, God's purpose in this, Jesus' purpose in telling them about things relating to the end was so that they wouldn't lose their peace. Did you notice that there were other times in the scriptures that we read when it talked about the peace of God? Let me reread to you from Haggai chapter 2. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it's a little while and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land and I will shake all nations Notice the shaking of the nations has to do with the manifestation of the sons of God. I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. The peace of God on on the last day church is something that is specific enough and special enough, unique enough for God to include in an end-time prophecy. In other words, the shaking doesn't have to shake you. The shaking of nations that brings about the manifestation of the sons of God doesn't have to shake us at all. Now back in Matthew chapter 24... You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see that you be not troubled. That word troubled means to frighten. It also means to clamor. Clamor is is defined in the dictionary as noisy shouting. So the word that Jesus used about being troubled has to do with whether or not we lose our peace based on what we say, based on the noise that comes out from us. He goes on to say, for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Nation shall rise against nation. This word nation is the word ethnos. It means ethnic group. In other words, one race will rise up against another race. And kingdom against kingdom. Kingdom against kingdom could be described as either nation states or Jews versus Gentiles. Now, as Jesus was telling us today, would he use the same words? If Jesus was warning us about end times, end time events and things to come, would he use the same words? Maybe we could look at it this way from the other end. How could Jesus describe the Black Lives Matters operation in terms that they would understand? How could Jesus explain the white supremacy lie when he was talking to his disciples? We always, or I'll speak for myself, I've always looked at the wars and the rumors of wars as being one nation against another. But word the the word wars is not exclusive to nation-states rising against other nation-states. It just simply means conflict. Well, the ethnic struggle that we have going on in our country right now and the rumors or the lies about those things really qualify and fit what Jesus was telling the disciples. Maybe not in the way that we would have expected it to be. But we've got to be careful that we don't put our own interpretation on things and miss what he's saying. So nation, ethnic groups will rise up against other ethnic groups. Kingdoms will rise against other kingdoms. This could be kingdoms of the Gentiles rising up against the kingdom of the Jews. Then he said there'll be famines and pestilences or pandemics and earthquakes in diverse places. Folks, we have to keep our eyes open to what's going on in the world around us with an understanding of the Bible so that we can rightly discern what these things mean. It is commonly understood that before the end of the year, there'll be over 100 million people, most of them in third world countries, but over 100 million people that will die of famines that were caused by the lockdowns relative to the pandemics. there are people whose business it is to calculate and, and identify these types of famines because the supply chain was down for as long as it was not only in america but around the world then the same amount of food wasn't produced as in years where the years before where there was no pandemic So here's a man-made famine that will claim the lives of over 100 million people. Over a year ago, the Lord dealt with, with me about talking about things relative to governments and political positions. And for over a year, in obedience to what the Lord led me to do, we talked about things that could be categorized as don't vote stupid. And everything we said, or at least I tried to uh, take everything that I said strictly from a Bible context and there was a cost. We lost some people from the church people that I dearly, dearly loved and had loved for a long time, people that had been with us for a long time. Because they disagreed with the position that I was taking, which I was trying to base on the Bible, doctrine and truth. But now we're in a situation... where the wisdom of God is required upon us or from us so that we know how to identify the purpose behind the things that we're seeing take place on the governmental level. We've got pipelines that have been shut down, whether by hacking or other reasons, political reasons, that's created a gas shortage on the East Coast. I read an article yesterday where the powers that be have identified that by late today, late Sunday afternoon, the pipelines will be back up and running and distributing gas to the eastern seaboard where it has been cut off for the last several days. Now, how can they forecast that? If the pipeline situation in America is so tenuous that hacking one specific company's activity caused such a shortage as it did, then how can they turn around and say it'll be over by the end of Sunday afternoon? Well, there's a part of this that they haven't been telling us. And that is the pipeline can be turned back on without the needs of electronical operation. In other words, all it would take is for the company that operates the pipeline to send workers out to the pipeline itself and turn the valves on. That the pipeline would start providing fuel and gasoline Back to the areas where there was a shortage. Folks, everything the government's telling us is a lie. Now, I know that some people will see that as a political statement, and I don't mean it as a political statement. It would be true no matter who was in office if the same things were being done. But there is a very definite desire on the part of this government, this administration, to control you and me. Jesus went on to say things about the end, signs of the end. All these are the beginning of sorrows, verse 8 tells us. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Folks, we're living in a day, in a time, where we can't trust the people that we elected to look out for us, to really look out for us. But we're living in a time that the work of the Holy Ghost shall be specific and unique enough to qualify. What Jesus said about the gospel of the kingdom being preached Notice again Verse 14 In this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world For a witness unto all nations This word nations is the word ethnos that we saw before To every ethnic group And then shall the end come Some translations say Rather than preached as a witness unto all nations They say uh, shall be preached with proof and power It's talking about signs and wonders. An earmark that Jesus used as a sign of the end was the power of God on the church. Well, that did with Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1. Ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain, so the Lord shall make bright clouds or lightnings or a manifestation of his presence. A display of his power or a manifestation of his presence that's what he said the early and the latter rain would produce we're living in a day where we should expect as a result of our obedience to pray for the latter rain where we should expect signs and wonders to be done brother hagen told a story he said it only happened once in his in his ministry he was holding a crusade in a church not a large church just a medium-sized church in a pretty small town in rural america but sometime during the period of time that he was there the several weeks that he was there in that meeting he said that the meeting was going very well that had a number of people healed by the power of god up to that point The building was pretty well filled every night. Everybody was was supporting, even other churches were supporting the meeting that they were involved in. And Brother Hagin said, while he was preaching, in the middle of his sermon, there was a light that flashed in the building. And it took everybody's eyes a few seconds to adjust back to normal. And when everybody's eyesight was back to normal in just that moment of time, the altar was filled with people that hadn't been there before. There had not been enough time for people to have come from their seats to the altar. And they found that everybody in the altar was unsaved. Every unsaved person in that building was somehow instantly down at the the foot of the steps around the altar. That sounds like a light, a bright cloud operation of the Holy Ghost. Well, the Bible indicates we'll have things like that and even greater things like that. I think we're coming to a place where God's really looking forward to. I think we're coming to a place where God is grinning from ear to ear because he knows what he's going to do and he knows we've never seen it before and he gets to show off a little bit but remember what Jesus said when these things start taking place start coming to pass don't be troubled don't lose your peace Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, has always been a favorite of mine. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Now there's a qualification for the peace of God that keeps us. And that is, we have to keep our mind over on him. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, Because he trusts in him. Here's Isaiah saying by the Holy Ghost that faith or trust in God is very much dependent on what you think. What you keep your mind focused on has everything to do with whether or not you operate in the peace of God. The New Testament fulfills this and confirms it in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing. Don't fret or have any anxiety about anything, another translation says. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Then he tells them what to think of. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise think on the things of God that meet those qualifications and if we do that then the peace of God will keep us the peace that passes understanding will keep us because our mind is stayed on him folks it's never been more important for you to meditate in the word never ever 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 it's important for you To keep your mind on the fact that God has promised deliverance to his people. And that these are the days of deliverance and healing. Turn with me to John chapter 14. Here's a part of what John, the Apostle John refers to concerning the Holy Ghost. The things that Jesus told him at the Last Supper. John 14, verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither, yet, neither let it be afraid. Jesus is saying, that the work of the Holy Ghost or at least one work of the Holy Ghost in these last days is to keep us in a place of peace as we keep our mind focused on him. That means we shouldn't let famine or any lack of provision or the threat of any lack of provision concern us in the least bit. There's something about the last days and the instruction of the scripture concerning the last days that I haven't figured out yet. You may be in the same boat or maybe not. But nearly every time the scripture refers to praying or experiencing the last days, it talks about how God owns the silver and the gold. There's a connection that God places in the last days with silver and gold or provision. Poverty is, poverty and lack are things that Jesus, through his sacrifice, delivered us from. But the Bible makes very specific mention in several places. And remember the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses let every word be established. There are several witnesses of scripture concerning the last days. Where God speaks of provision. And even refers to the wealth of the wicked that's laid up for the just. Well, if the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just, when when is the just going to get their hands on it? After the rapture won't matter to us. We won't even be here on the earth. So it's got to be before the tribulation period, before the rapture of the church takes place. Now folks, if Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead in A.D. 30 and the scripture is specific about the 2,000 years 2,000 years of the church age taking place just before the rapture comes then that puts us to a time frame pretty close to now. From AD thirty to two thousand years forward is twenty thirty. And if you take away the seven years of tribulation from that, then that's two thousand and twenty three. well this is 2021 and so if we do the math we've only got two or three years left assuming that we're judging rightly on when to start counting look how quickly things are happening in the world six months ago America was energy independent Now we're seeing gas shortages and gas lines, cars lined up for gas. It kind of throws us back to the 1970s. You may not have been around in the 1970s, but it's the only other time, in my lifetime at least, where we witnessed shortages, gas shortages, and gas stations out of fuel. Back then it was a real thing, not a manufactured crisis. Look how fast things are taking place in the world. I believe God's gonna do a quick work. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Folks, if we are this close to the end as Bible verses seem to indicate these should be days of joy These should be days of thanksgiving. These should be days of giving praise unto God because of the things that are destined for us being at hand. So he tells us not to be troubled by famines or lack. He tells us not to be troubled by earthquakes in diverse places because God has the power and the ability to deliver us and protect us. But then he also tells us not to be troubled by pestilences or sickness and disease. We could talk for the rest of our lives about the lies concerning the coronavirus. I personally think, and I want you to judge this for yourself, but I personally think that we need to really be on guard about what to do and how to do it in these last days regarding health our personal health and the health of our families I'm not in a position to recommend to you whether or not you should get the vaccine I believe that's a personal choice it's not a choice that bears any result on our relationship with God. But I do believe that we need to mix faith with whatever we do. Remember Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, shall he find faith in the earth? Well, what area does God expect you to walk by faith? I know a lot of people prefer to separate their relationship with God, their walk with God, From the things that are going on around us in the earth. But I like to operate just the opposite. I want my relationship with God. And the leading of his spirit. To be the reason. And the basis and the foundation. For how I live my life. Whether it's the COVID situation. Or provision, or any other area of control that the the government tries to exercise. Folks, with the government that's saying so many different things and changing directions, Almost daily in certain areas, that witnesses to me the even greater responsibility that we have to be led by the Holy Ghost. Let me read to you from Psalm 107. Beginning in verse 17, it says, Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saves them out of their distresses. Now the distresses that he started talking about in verse 17 were the sins and iniquities that bring trouble upon us. So to be saved from your distresses in this case, in this situation, means to be forgiven of sin. Verse 20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. James says, James chapter 5, verse 14, it says, Is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over them, pray over the sick, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save or heal the sick. And if they've committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. I left out a part of that. And the prayer of faith shall save or heal the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if, not always the case, but sometimes, and if he's committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Folks, the devil wants to use condemnation and will use condemnation against us to try to prove to us, which he can't, but he tries to prove to us that our problems and our difficulties and our situations We're caused by our own errors and our own transgression, our own iniquities. Well, even if he's right on that, there's never a place where God withholds healing because of sins that have been committed. If he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. So since the Bible identifies, and here's two witnesses, there are many more we could get But here are two witnesses to base our doctrine on. If God doesn't consider sins that you've committed as worth or a reason to withhold His healing power and His healing goodness from you, then why should we think otherwise? Even if you find yourself in a situation where you brought it completely on yourself, To confess your sin or your wrongdoing. Puts that behind you. And by the blood of Jesus makes you eligible to receive the best that God has. Including healing for your physical body. So again, Jesus doesn't want us to be troubled. He doesn't want us to lose our peace. Over any of the things that we see and hear around us. Pastor Mike, what are you going to do if they require a fact-themed passport? I don't know. Trust God for direction. Pastor Mike, what are you going to do if famines come uh, come against us and we don't have what we need? I'm going to believe God to provide for his people. What are you going to do if if the government tries to place more controls on us? I'm going to find out from God what he wants me to do. And in in and through all of those things, the one thing I'm not going to do is lose my peace. Because according to what Jesus said that we read in John 14, verse 26 and 27, the peace of the Holy Ghost is a part of that unique and specific work that will make up the early and the latter rank. Folks, there is no problem, there is no action that can be brought against you and me that has the power to keep God's word from being reality and truth in our lives. When the Son of Man returns, shall he find faith in the earth? Well, if I'm still here when he comes, He's sure he's going to find it with me? I believe the same thing is true for you. I believe you have the same commitment to it as I have. God's Word's always true. And God's Word never, ever, ever fails. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, as Beth said earlier in the service, we want to spend a few minutes praying. So Beth, I'll turn it over to you if you want to. Come and lead us.
1: Lock the doors. No one gets to leave, I guess. (laughs) I ask him, normally we tell people to leave, but you're here, it's still early so we're all going to stay. Praise the Lord. We won't go long. And if you do need to leave as we're praying, you'll still make the rapture. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Woke up last night and just a few thoughts really were on my heart. Jesus said to watch and pray. That's an admonition, especially for the last days. When he's referring to watching, it's like in the um, uh, you know, in the older cities over in, in Israel and in, in that area, there would be tall walls around a city to guard and to and they would have watchmen on top of those tall walls that surrounded the city. And the job of those watchmen was to look out a long distance to be able to warn the people in the city of something that was still far away, usually an enemy, obviously, and that the enemy was coming to invade that city. Watchmen on the walls, that's what that means. A watchman is a watcher. That's what that means when the Bible says, Jesus said to watch and pray. We're supposed to spiritually be uh, like up on a wall watching And being alert in our spirit as to when we're supposed to pray. Then another thing, the other thing was, there's a a scripture that says, be alert and intent in your praying. And I have had such a sense in me, I haven't been able to put my finger on it till the last few days. I don't know if, if, uh, believers hearts are discouraged or they're just kind of lulled into whatever position that we are right now, but we need to not, we need to be alert. We need to stay alert and we don't need to get like numbed out to what's happening in the world. We need to be alert believers, alert and intent in our praying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God we have the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of us, and he will help us to pray. So I just so felt like I, we live in the same house, but we text each other because one's upstairs and one's downstairs. So we text each other. Our family texts each other all the time. Even sometimes sitting in the same room, we're texting each other. (laughs) But I just said, you know, I just have it really strong in my heart today that we need to pray. I don't know what it's about, uh, uh, and we may never know what it's about. But we must be in these days. We should be always, but much more so in these days. Sensitive in our heart to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Watching and alert and and on our guard. And listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit as to when we're to pray. Often, it could be even for your family. I have had it. Last thing I'll say and then we'll pray. One time, I'm driving down the freeway. This is many years ago. I'm driving on the freeway. I was right by Lake Forest Drive, between El Toro and Lake Forest, and I'm just I'm driving in my car, and all of a sudden, it's this strong thing came on me to just pray in tongues, and I and it happened. I prayed in tongues for about 45 seconds, and then there was a car with the trailer, and, oh, oh, and and as I was doing this, I switched lanes to a lane I wouldn't normally be in. And the uh, truck that was in front of me with this long trailer where I was, he would have like swerved and he would have hit me. So you never know when you're praying in other tongues, who you're praying about, what you're praying for. It could be a family member. It could be something in Israel. It could be for our government. It could be a missionary in Africa. Could be anything. But we have this supernatural help of the Holy Spirit to help us to pray. So stand with me. It's a love talk. Hallelujah. So Lord, we lift our hearts to you today and we lift our hands to you. And we want to be a people. As individuals, we want to be a people as a church that obeys the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We want to be, as Pastor Mike said, Lord, a people and a church of faith that when Jesus comes back, he would be able to say of our church family that we were faithful and that we're full of faith and that we're obedient ones, oh Lord. So we're we're yielding ourselves today to pray because it's just in our heart. We don't even know what it's about. But thank you for the Holy Spirit who will help pray through us today. The perfect will of God. Hallelujah. Give us utterance, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Riscovi di bischi di canast ombre badasta la nigera massona nana nana basta Oh re che severo maschagrebà sonerelera massa branda de vecchne mambare vidigi For massona banda lehinga basta re massona nella massa rara da var gagni bea Evolodoshin de la 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 Oh, Shedema Savreman Tigreva soldreva Savreman de Vedivide. Be lacooch in Linkreening and Glechni Mang restifin in a moch underverly de de Mazon de Mesto de Devidia. We are going to the Manchot, the Macassa Breva de Vedeme, Estancamazinica de Vejigidivida, Ali Voriva de Ali Abrazza de Valabaria vana Nemoro, Sonan in a man and Rainma, Sonan in a man Rainma, Drainaman de Berivan and Tevero, Sada Lavero, Shodalena Masa Prasca de Devan Agaba, On Crisi Bede Stone, Digitabas, sorry, but a lady Mason Yen canimason in Kenimas Sondre Bede. Ambris and Bedevish in a con Saint Christy Vedevide, Medi. Valia bros evade bash and rebass Sap temp ten ton trim centrins demidividici, to odre asapala de abando, 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 abando bacaniza, abando do do on trensa and singi. Oh, tenimet son and timber or an pig, garibợi di passo. Anpre gyro рыbilch, so Broadly Haramadki, I In a parabesa and the Bodosem and the Padabadaya could the Basapa Dabadaya, Soma Dabadenshik, the Bosanigram, Dampide Veji, and malabaraga,
2: and
1: hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, thank you that you hear us as we pray. Hallelujah, that tremendous power is made available, dynamic and is working. As your people pray, hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. We are a people of praise. We are a people that's listening. We are watchers and prayers, oh Lord. We will stand alert and be intent in our praying. For we, Lord, we trust in the supernatural. We trust you to lead us and guide us in our families and in our daily life. We expect the glory of God upon us. We expect the glory of God and speak grace unto the state of California. We speak grace to Orange County. Glory of God on Orange County. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory of God upon this nation. Hallelujah. Glory of God upon the church. Ha, 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 ha. Hallelujah. We will be steady, Lord. We will be steadfast and unmovable. Ha, 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 ha. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Let's put him to work in our lives. Amen. You know, I just had, as we were praying there, just everybody bow their head, close their eyes. You may be here today and you you may say, I am born again and I know Jesus is my Savior. And I've been hearing about the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I've never been filled. And I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. I want the power of God in my life. I want to speak in tongues. I want that supernatural prayer language and God's power in my life. And I want someone to pray with me today. Would you raise your hand? Amen. There's a couple of people. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, I'm going to ask you to just go from where you're seated to the back door, there's a gentleman back there, Mr. Mark Mitchell. He's going to take you and his wife Cynthia. They're going to take you to the prayer room. Hallelujah! They're going to share some scripture with you, what the Bible promises and says about being filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they're going to pray for you in that place. Praise the Lord. So, if you lifted your hand, or you should have lifted your hand, if you'll just go to the back of this, uh, the auditorium right there. Praise the Lord. They will pray with you, amen. As they're doing that, I'm gonna share this one testimony. Happened in 1980 in Brother Hagin's uh, healing school. Uh, president Reagan was president at that time. And uh, he said, Brother Hagin said, "'I don't know what it is. "'We didn't pray that, We di- he didn't teach that day. "'We just prayed the entire he- healing school.' "'Excuse me, I meant to say healing school. "'He just prayed the entire healing school.' And, um, anyway, he, uh, as he was praying, he kind of interpreted a little bit about it, which we didn't know what any of that meant. He just like kind of couldn't catch his breath and, and, and something along those lines. Anyway, the next day, President Reagan was shot. And we knew that's exactly, exactly what we were praying about. And really, it was a miracle that he didn't die. And if you look back, I guess every 20 years, every 20 years, there's stuff on the internet, every 20 years, whoever was president in that 20th year, if anyone's read it, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not explaining it very well. They were assassinated for like years, like a century or more, starting with Lincoln. And Reagan was set to be one that was elected, like John Kennedy, I can remember that one, elected in 1960, assassinated. 20 years later, 1980, uh, Reagan uh, elected, attempted assassination. But if you go back and look that up, every 20 years, whoever was elected, that had happened. And it stopped with Reagan. So we knew it was the Holy Spirit that had alerted us to pray and, and... really cause him, I think, to continue to live. And he was a great blessing to our country. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for staying. Praise God bless you. Uh, your-